they all took an L. Grizzlies, Warriors, Clippers. Well, maybe not the Clippers, but they should have. So the other night, Philly versus Milwaukee, the 76ers did break the Bucks' 16-game win streak, and I believe that game was in Milwaukee. What I really liked about that game was how Harden showed up. He played big uh, down the stretch. He actually played big to open up the first quarter, which is good for this type of setting of basketball. This was playoff basketball. If we can see James Harden do this in the playoffs, especially after the first round into the second round, potentially the conference finals, or if they make the finals. I'd like to say this again. This is the year that the Sixers have the best shot of competing for a championship. This is the best team they've had collectively as a whole in years, uh, especially since they've had Joel Embiid. If things go sour and they don't make it to the second round, or maybe even if they don't make it to the conference finals, I think things might have to get blown up there uh, unless there's an injury where you can kind of pinpoint that, okay, this team would have went this far if it wasn't for this happening. But as a whole, I mean, it can't get much better than this. You do have uh, Tyrese Maxey, who shall get better throughout his career as far as um, his peak. He's not there yet. But just as a team, like James Harden's playing really good basketball. He's in shape this year. Embiid, MVP candidate again. So I do like what I'm seeing from them as far as their competitive spirit. We just need to see them carry that through the rest of the regular season into the playoffs. They have an opportunity to become the second seed just depending on how things shake up. Uh, Milwaukee is still in first place. Actually, today's game uh, that came on, uh, probably get into in a little bit, was uh, the Bucks did beat the uh, Wizards. So that still kept them in a, a good gap there for first place lead in the East. But going back to this game, like I said, the aggressiveness that James Harden showed in the first quarter was excellent. Uh, it took a lot of pressure off Embiid. I mean, it allowed Embiid, if you watch the game later on, because the Sixers were down at one point, then they uh, went up and got the lead. But in the fourth quarter, Embiid was able to just basically take over the game uh, alongside James Harden, just kind of uh, alleviate the pressure from each other and and run that pick and roll tandem that they have. So that was uh, something that's going to be a key factor. And they've developed that chemistry, which is something that should carry on into the future games. But just to see them be able to compete in this setting in Milwaukee, which is a hard place to win in general. And Milwaukee definitely isn't a whole team as what they're accustomed to. Chris Middleton did play in this game, I believe, but he's not playing his regular amount of minutes. He definitely doesn't look like an all-star at the moment. I mean, even Embiid at the beginning, uh, speaking of not looking like an all-star, I think, you know, it was down in the stretches when he really bounced back. And you could see that this is the reason why we discussed this guy as an MVP candidate, just because, you know, you knock off the rust, you get back in the game, you never put your head down and believe that you're, you're going to lose this game even though you're down double digits against a 
championship caliber basketball team who did win the championship two seasons ago. They rallied back and, and got the W. So they've had a couple of close games against competitive teams, but this one was huge for them. Uh, nothing to worry about if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan. I think this is just something that, you know, it was a very competitive game. And yes, you hate to lose on your home court, but there's still a lot to look forward to, especially when you consider that Chris Middleton should be uh, steadily getting better, increasing his workload. So when the playoffs come, you can have a version of him that should be a lot better than where he's at currently. Uh, for me, I feel like Chris Middleton obviously is definitely not 100%. I would say he might be like at 70%, maybe 75 at best. So there's definitely a lot more room for him to improve, and that would help the team overall. I mean, you're talking about in the clutch uh, fourth quarter stretches when a team's trying to go on a run. This is this is a guy who can stop runs by the other team, who can get your uh, buckets, uh, whether it be on the perimeter or the mid-range, which he's great at that. You I think every team needs to have like that mid-range guy, a guy who can get buckets in the mid-range. I'm going to bring that up again uh, with the Celtics, if I remember that, because to me, that that's a key part of winning playoff basketball. So they have Chris Middleton there. Uh, they're definitely going to be in line to try to go on a championship run. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if um, Philly and Bucks were the conference finals uh, matchup for the East. Suns at Dallas. This was an interesting game to watch. It was very, very much another basketball game that was a playoff setting type of atmosphere. Had a lot of scoring, which is awesome to see from a, a fan's perspective. I mean, not to say that there wasn't any defense played, but Luka, Katie, Kyrie, and Devin Booker all scored over 30 points. Um, yeah, one of the biggest things here, uh, Kyrie and Luka, you know, we kind of see the dynamic now what's happening with the scoring load you know the other day they combined for like 80 plus points but they're magicians with the ball we all know that but KD kind of clogged the paint at the beginning of the game or the first half of the game it kind of made it a little bit hard for uh, some players to operate in the paint I know the commentators were talking about Kyrie not being able to operate in the normal space that he would have so that's the key for the Suns like th this changes up everything with their schematics and their dynamics of how they play defense, definitely how they play offense with Kevin Durant. But um, if you're talking about getting buckets, I mean, Luka and Kyrie definitely are able to do that type of performance. Then you have, you know, some shooters do need to contribute. Bullock had a couple threes, I believe, in there. Maybe maybe just two, but uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had maybe six threes, I believe. So you always have, like, this other guy that shows up because I think, uh, I think they had more of a collective group than just one other player. Uh, Christian Wood looked like he did pretty well when Kevin Durant was in the game, so that kind of helped to offset that. But in a seven series matchup, I mean, this series could go six games, six games to Phoenix, um, if we had the opportunity to watch that this year. I'd be highly interested. I actually would go as far as to say that this could potentially be a conference finals matchup, in my opinion, uh, in just regards of the level of talent there and them making it past the first two rounds. Um, not really going to get into the standings right at the moment as far as if that's a possibility now, but we know how close the race is in the West. So things could 
shake up to where they could win their first couple rounds and make this the third round matchup for the Western Conference Finals. And that would be really cool. So I would like to see that if we even got this matchup in the second round. I would like to see Dallas versus Phoenix in a seven-game series. And I would assume that would go at least five games. Uh, I don't see why Dallas wouldn't be able to win uh, one or two games uh, unless Phoenix is just cutting off everything defensively. But when you have scorers like Luke and Kyrie, they're going to find a way. It'd be more of a coaching thing as far as them uh, winning a game or two and how to figure out how to make that work in a setting to where they don't uh, counter each other negatively. They can kind of feed off when uh, each other's on the court and when they take a breather. Right now, so far, it's, it looks like it's working. You know, Watching this game, I think it's actually the first game I've watched since Kyrie's been with uh, Luca in Dallas and the things that he's able to do with the team while Luca sits not just scoring but getting other teammates involved and um, you know still kind of looking for bigs looking for like Christian Wood for a law pass something as simple as that but just keeping the defense honest I think that's really uh, a good move for uh, Dallas for this year to help Booker now it'll still be remain to see if Kyrie's going to stay past this season with him being a potential free agent this season, or I guess he would be in the offseason, um, he could sign an extension with Dallas or re-sign with Dallas. That is also a possibility, but we'll see. I think it's too early to tell. I do like how he's just mentally locked in to play basketball. And I could say the same thing for Kevin Durant. I don't think he's focused on the future. He's focused on the now, and he looks really comfortable. For some reason with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like I feel like I liked them a lot better than when they both played for Brooklyn. I think it was just too much for their personalities. Just I think they're they're good as a second or third personality. Not a second or third option, but like a secondary personality where your main guy has more of a leadership type of personality instead of a responsive personality or or somebody who needs to be managed like how we saw Kyrie in, in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, you think of Dallas, the face of the franchise would be Luka. You think of Phoenix, Devin Booker, you know, or you could even say the tandem of Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul since they've had uh, several years there together. And Kevin Durant's like along for the ride. So I, I don't I don't mind that. Uh, I definitely uh, feel a lot better with Kevin Durant being here in Phoenix than I did when he went to Golden State. Primarily because he just left OKC at that point and I was salty about that. I keep bringing it up. Obviously, I still am. But Booker putting up 30-plus points. What is this, like the third game, I think, since he's had Kevin Durant on the team, um, where Kevin Durant has actually played alongside him three games in a row now. He's put up 30-plus points. Like, his scoring has increased. He's getting a lot of alleviated pressure. You're talking about when you add somebody like Kevin Durant to your team who already has a high-profile volume shooter slash score that the defense now has to make a decision on who to guard as far as even if you're a team like the Clippers, you have two top-tier defenders. One of those better defenders, whoever's having the best defensive night, has to guard Kevin Durant. You're not going to get the double teams as much as you used to because Kevin Durant's going to get some of that double team. So I think this is the result of adding Kevin Durant, his presence on the floor, this is what it does for a player like Devin Booker. Like, it looks great. It looks excellent. Kevin Durant, we know how he's 
so crafty and skillful with scoring that he knows there's times where he can look for a shot. He doesn't always have to be looking for the shot. His shots are going to come. So this is just something that is uh, really good for Phoenix fans just to be able to have this type of player at your disposal. Now you did lose some depth, but in a game like this against Dallas where defense really doesn't matter all that much, it's all about who puts up the biggest uh, scoring punches on the board, then yeah, this is a series definitely for Phoenix that would be in their favor for a playoffs. And another thing this does with having Durant with Booker, this helps a whole lot for a player like Chris Paul. Last year, he had a pretty healthy year. This year, he's had a pretty healthy year. But there's been years in the past, especially with the Clippers, where usually around this time of the year, he has some type of minor injury where it causes him to miss games. Having Durant here is going to allow Chris Paul to be load-managed while he's playing. And I don't want to say load-managed in the traditional way of where we think of a player like Kawhi Leonard where, okay, load-managed means he's going to be taking a game off here and there. He's not going to be playing back-to-backs. No, Chris Paul is going to be able to still play games, still play back-to-backs, but his minutes can be managed to be more effective and more efficient. I think the commentators are saying now, like the rotation is Chris Paul plays the first six minutes of the first quarter, and then he plays the last six minutes of the second quarter. So there, there's a 12-minute playing time gap of potentially not having Chris Paul on the floor where he can rest. And that's key because you're talking about a player who is very decisive and very um, intelligent with playmaking down the stretch, especially in third quarters and fourth quarters. He's going to need his legs. So a player for Chris Paul to have this at his disposal is going to be very healthy for the Suns. The Suns are going to have to be very strategic with how they run their lineups and and deal with double teams and whatnot when it comes to playoffs because of the lack of depth that they do have. But they have enough offense. They have enough of basketball mindset IQ there between Booker, Durant, and CP3 that it's, it's amazing to see on the court. Like, you know, there's some super teams you put guys together and you don't know how it's going to work who's going to get the ball I don't feel like that with this team Kevin Durant could be a spot-up shooter Devin Booker can run point Chris Paul could be a shooting guard like you can have everybody happy in this situation maybe everybody except for DeAndre Ayton he's kind of taking uh, a back option I I don't know if you want to say that it's worse than it was before they had Durant because there are some games where I just felt like you know, he's there, he exists, but of course, stat-wise, you're talking about fantasy, it was a lot better before Durant, but um, I don't think it was too bad today. I think he did get a double-double. can't remember his stats off the top of my head, but uh, Aiton is like a third option, basically, that plays like a fourth option when it comes to the shooters on the court. I mean, even so, when you consider that if you have Kevin Durant and Booker, you have... Uh, Kogi or Chris Paul that can be a spot up three point shot in the corner or on the wing. So then that leaves Aiton as one of the last options for maybe like a pick and roll or a lob threat. I mean, Kevin Durant did make a nice play, a a nice uh, dump bounce pass to Aiton in the paint. So he's going to get some touches, but the options there to run offense through him is going to be decreased. But 
it, that's probably going to be effective in the playoffs because we know a lot of times what a lot of teams need in playoff basketball is three-point shooting, pace, and space. So the role of Aiton has yet to be seen exactly what it's going to look like when uh, Durant and them are in the playoffs, in my opinion. But I think he's going to have an effective role, but it's just going to be maybe not a high-intensity role unless it's certain scenarios or certain matchups. Like, let's say you're playing the Clippers and they have their bigs in, Zubak or Plumlee, then, yeah, Aiton can definitely be effective then. But outside of that, he he might just look like a a basic big. And I hate to say that about a a guy like this who could potentially be an all-star someday. But that's what I see, and that's what I think it is. But he's a key piece of this team. But in the summer, you know, he might be somebody who – he might want to stay if they make it pretty deep in the playoffs or win a championship. Or I could see the Suns maybe moving on from him and trying to get more value out of him uh, as far as either depth or just uh, another player that can do that role um, more uh, just as effective in a way where you get like two or three players for one. So, uh, so again, more depth there. We'll see. Or maybe just draft capital, but I don't think they're going to be making that type of move. I could see Kevin Durant staying there for a bit. So I think this is a decent position for them, but it's going to be an experiment year, but an experiment year with high expectations, which would be nothing short of, for them, winning a championship. But for me, they need to make at least the conference finals or the finals. Um, They have really good odds, obviously, for why they would make it back to the finals, um, seeing that they missed it last year. So pretty much no excuse outside of injury, if you're asking me. But uh, as far as Dallas, like I said, this could be a conference finals matchup. So again, I would like to say Dallas adding Kyrie could potentially put them in the conference finals um, just with their scoring alone. So if you're a fan of either one of these teams, I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, good luck with everything, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for both teams. But I'll get back to them later on when we discuss a little bit of the standings for the Western Conference. Heading into Sunday's game, the Warriors, when they're down in the third quarter, they're 0-17 on the road. This game, they had Steph Curry. He returned first time he's played since uh, before the All-Star break when he had that uh, injury. But... He looked great for the limited amount of minutes that he did play. It was somewhere in the mid-20s, I believe. But now they're 0-18 and when they're down in the third because they lost against the Lakers. This was a key win for the Lakers. Anthony Davis back to playing like pretty similar to how he played back in December, late November when he was looking like definitely an all-star player, borderline MVP candidate because of just playing old school Anthony Davis. So this is how he needs to play play every night in order for the Lakers to win. I mean, it does suck for the Lakers that they don't have D'Angelo Russell available right at the moment, but he should be back way before LeBron, hopefully. But for the Warriors, just like they said in the commentary, the defense intensity is a lot lower on the road than it is at home. Offensively, what I saw, it's not too bad. I mean, it's kind of like, normal Warriors, if you could say that. I mean, it always seems more um, intensified at home when they're playing offense. I think that might be more so the crowd than just maybe their 
shooting ability. But, I mean, in this game, Steph Curry, he did not look rusty uh, after he got it going. He was um, putting up the threes as normal. Clay is still looking very, very spry. He's looking really good. Offensively, I think Clay's back for sure. Defensively, yeah, we're not going to see the Clay that we saw, you know, eight, ten years ago, but he's made uh, strides in uh, his defensive effort as well, which um, just shows that he has a, a bigger trust in his range of mobility to me. But um, I definitely like how he's been playing. He's been uh, taking shots in small volumes to large volumes, but he's been more efficient with his shooting, where we saw earlier in the season that he was taking a lot of shots to try to find rhythm, and the percentages definitely weren't there. The shots definitely weren't going down as well. But this could be a scary thing once the uh, Warriors get whole. They're still missing Wiggins. Wiggins uh, will need to be reacclimated into the system. It won't take much, seeing that obviously he was uh, a key piece to them winning the championship last year. But he will definitely need to get the reps. So what we're seeing now from the Warriors will not be the Warriors that we see most likely when it comes to uh, April uh, for the playoffs. But I would not sleep on the Warriors. Anytime they can get a home court game, uh, that's going to be totally different than a road game in my opinion. But they do need to start thinking about how they can win games on the road because it's going to be key for them to be able to have that mentality going into playoffs with these younger guys uh, in Kaminga. Uh, Poole's not too too bad of a player to worry about, but, you know, Andre Iguodala's back. He's going to help out some, but he's a, he's an older player. So some of these guys just need to uh, be able to be in the rotation and have good, solid minutes, but just be as strappy as you are as if you're playing a home game. But uh, the Warriors... Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. They're still working out the kinks, so I don't think that the Warriors can keep playing the way they've been playing on the road, but they will eventually get to Warriors basketball, which could be scary for the conference, just depending on where they match up. I don't even know if that matters, to be honest. Like, playing the Warriors in the first round, like I said, if they're at the bottom of the standings, then you would have home court advantage against them in the first round. Uh, you being the upper seed, whoever that may be. But in general, the Warriors can just, you know, they take one on the road, and all of a sudden they got home court advantage. So I don't know what to say about um, who they should be playing against in the first round because, for me, it doesn't really matter. We'll just see how they look when they get there if everybody is completely healthy and whole. Looking at the other side of this game, the Warriors lost to the Lakers. Quality win for the Lakers. They could take every win they can get right now to try to get themselves into the play-in tournament area, especially while LeBron is out. But it started to look like one of those games right before the Lakers caught up to take the lead. But when they were letting the game slip away in the third where LeBron's probably thinking or looking at management like, this is why you trade for a player like Kyrie Irving. I know D'Angelo Russell is out, but it takes so many pieces for this team to function right with just Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis could have monster numbers, but yet still lose this game because now you're depending on other role players to have a bigger role 
again, kind of putting yourself in the position that you were almost a year ago. D'Angelo Russell would help out a lot, but a player like Kyrie Irving would definitely be able to be that scoring punch, no problem being a number one option on scoring. So this is something to think about going into next season if this season doesn't pan out to be what the Lakers are hoping as far as reaching the playoffs or even if they do reach the playoffs going past the first round. It's going to take a lot for the Lakers to get there. I mean, they just have to look at it as one game at a time for right now, but it's not an ideal situation in my opinion. But yeah, shout out to Anthony Davis playing the way that he's been playing since uh, LeBron's been out is what you want to see from a guy who should be one of the core leaders of the team and you would think would be the future of the franchise. But he definitely has to stay healthy and play consistent and hold players accountable and, and be accountable for himself, you know. Just be out there and, and be responsible for playing winning basketball and encouraging others to do the same as well. So this, like I said, another quality win for the Lakers after I think they lost the last game. So they got to keep chipping at the bit and just go win after win, game after game as much as they can. Uh, but there's a fun fact in there. L.A. is now 3-1 to one in the series on Golden State this year. But Golden State, we know, has not been a a team that looks like a championship caliber team on most nights, especially on the road when you consider that they are defending champions, but it doesn't take much for them to get there a month, six weeks. That's enough for them to flip a switch and become that team that we're accustomed to uh, seeing when it comes to playoff basketball. But now after the Lakers win, they are now just a half game out of being in a play-in spot, which would be 10th in the Western Conference. So if we're looking at it, if the Lakers were to go and win the next game, and then I can't remember who is in front of them, but basically, you know, they win a game, the other team loses a game, they just uh, swap positions that quickly. They've already gained a little bit on the Thunder, which I think maybe they're now trying to shift into tanking, I'm not sure. Uh, Shea did return, but he was out for... COVID protocol and a minor injury so we'll keep an eye on that see if that keeps happening but the Lakers can't look back at the teams that are behind them they have to keep looking at the teams that are in front of them and just keep chipping away the Bulls again one of the only two teams that did not make a roster move by the trade deadline and it's definitely showing once again. I think Zach Levine had like a 40-piece in this game. But you lost against the Pacers, who have just now moved, I guess, one spot in front of you. Still the same amount of games back from first 17 and a half, I believe. But you're not putting yourself in position to look like a legit playoff basketball team. Even if you do make the play-in tournament, like, are you really deserving to be there? This is something that they're going to have to definitely look at in the offseason. I think the the only hope of them keeping this is intact, to me, depends on the health of Lonzo. If Lonzo is looking healthy or close to being like that as far as being into uh, 
beginning to see that we are going to get Lonzo earlier in the season and that he has completely recovered and can contribute to the team. Outside of that, if he's not ready by the end of the summer, then they're going to have to do some roster adjustments during the summer, maybe the sooner the better, maybe before we even have the the draft. Uh, I don't know what you could do in free agency, some type of sign and trade if if need be with other teams. But it's going to come down to how they finish this season as far as do you even explore the option of keeping this team together just to wait for Lonzo. For me, I feel like it's already time for them to move on uh, from what they thought was going to be a great idea. And it did look like a great idea in, in the few games that Lonzo did play that first year. It looked pretty solid with this core group of guys, but when you're missing a piece like that, you're missing playmaking, it really does show. I mean, Patrick Beverly definitely was a big help. He was an ad that they did after the trade deadline when he was uh, bought out after being traded. So some help is better than none, but at this point, like I said, some trade's going to have to be made within the next nine months, uh, six to nine months, just in my opinion, it's kind of tough to see a team with like two all-stars like that, potentially a third if you want to count Vucevic being a past all-star, just kind of struggle and be what the Pacers used to be with uh, when they had Sabonis and everybody. So you don't want to be down there at the bottom just like Wizards territory is what I like to call it, even though the Wizards are up above them. I think currently they're in like a playoff uh, seated or play-in seated area at the moment and there's still some hope for the Bulls but for me it's going to be up and down still so splitting games splitting your wins definitely is not going to get you in position or get you great momentum I think the season's basically tarnished for the rest of the way could be wrong just making a prediction you know if you're a Bulls fan hopefully I'm wrong but that's just how I feel that's just my outlook of it you know there's plenty of other talented teams in front of you that is going to be a struggle for you I mean, who wants to be in eighth place and play the Bucks potentially in the first round? So uh, the way they've been playing, don't like that. But once again, Levine and DeMar did combine for 65 points in this loss to the Pacers. There's not a whole lot I can say about this. I feel like I don't want to disrespect the Bulls, <laughs> but I feel like the Bulls are, can be like almost like the Clippers of the East in a way where they have uh, the talent of guys. They may not have the depth the Clippers do, but you kind of come to expect more, and then they're just going to kind of let you down in a way where you're like, I should have saw that coming. I just didn't want to believe that it was coming. So I'm just telling you now, I feel like it's coming to an end that if they make the play-in tournament, they may not make the playoffs at all. And speaking of the Clippers, Mark Jackson did say it best. Again, shout out to Mark Jackson. I just kind of like what he does sometimes when he throws out like these little comments because it's kind of like thoughts that are running through my head, but he's like the one to actually say it on national television. So he was saying today, like the Clippers, their approach to 
how they play the game or when there's adversity in the game, like it makes them an average team. And I guess that's what I've been trying to say about the Clippers over the last several seasons is that, yeah, they become average without the accountability. Now, what was shocking to me was that they actually were able to come back and win this game, a game that I thought that they shouldn't have actually gone down by so much during this game, seeing that the Grizzlies were without John Morant and it was a home game for the Clippers. Now, don't get me wrong. We know what the Grizzlies did last year when John Morant missed those games. They were actually uh, had a higher win percentage without John in the lineup. So they're definitely no joke. Tyus Jones, great backup. Shout out Duke. And I just think that they're not really going to be losing a whole lot of games just because Jaw's out. We don't know how much time he's going to miss. Uh, Jaw's been doing some stupid stuff, in my opinion. Just um, I'm, I'm glad he's seeking help. Hopefully the help helps him, and he's actually like looking forward to changing his outlook on things and his uh, like identity. It's almost like an identity crisis to me. I don't want to get too political with that, but it's kind of a shame as far as I don't know what reputation he wants to have, but I want to focus back to the basketball team. Uh, Memphis, yeah, they, they are looking great. I mean, I like how uh, Tyus showed up, and I did like that Desmond Bain did show up in this. They were also without Dylan Brooks. He got his 16th technical foul in the game prior to this, and I don't remember the rules because it's been a while since, like, this happened often with Draymond Green and I think, who else was it back in the day? DeMarcus Cousins? Like, once you get 16 like that and you get a technical foul, you do get uh, a one-game suspension. But then, like, after that, it doesn't take long for you to get another one. And I feel like it banks or something. I can't remember. Like, if you hit 18 technicals or something, you get two suspensions, like back-to-back games something like that so this is something definitely to keep a hold of because i believe like this counts into playoffs into finals like it's the whole season including the postseason so this is something that can hurt the grizzlies in a way where if you're losing some type of defensive intensity that gives you an edge in a playoff series especially on the road on a road game like this can hurt you especially if a guy has to miss two games back to back so I don't know. Keep an eye on Dylan Brooks. I know a lot of people aren't feeling them right now because the way the Grizzlies are kind of cocky and arrogant. But I feel like Dylan Brooks does have a key uh, role there and being that type of guy, being the villain. I just don't really need the whole team to look like a villain. Right now, the only guy I'm really vibing with outside of Tyus Jones, shout out to Duke once again, is uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, so I, I really vibe with him. So I like you know his persona and things. Oh, shout out to Steven Adams, but Steven Adams has been on the sideline. He's still out. So they're kind of shorthanded, but they almost pulled off a good quality win against this Clippers team that is, to me, still like not a team I see playing in the conference finals. So I don't see that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to have to show me something else. I, I really don't see it. That just, to me, be saying the same thing that I feel like the Lakers are going to be in the conference finals this year. I mean... Either L.A. team, I wouldn't be shocked that they were bouncing the first round. Uh, I would be shocked that the Clippers obviously didn't make the playoffs. Don't see that happening. Right now, they're still sitting outside of the play-in tournament, but on the better side, not on the worst side like the Lakers. 
think the Clippers are in six. Uh, but they have to keep winning the games they should be winning and not get in a situation where you have that uh, accountability issue where you're in a rut, how we're going to get out of this if nobody uh, pulls us out. And that might be a job for Russell Westbrook. I think he'd take on the challenge. Maybe you don't want him doing a whole bunch of offensive scoring for down the stretch, but he can be that guy that would definitely be the spark plug to wake the other guys back up, which is something that I think they've been missing in the playoffs over the last couple seasons. Going back, try to wrap this around full circle. Going back to the East, talking about the conference standings. I didn't make any notes for the Celtics game. I did watch it today. Uh, What is this? Two in a row that the Celtics have lost. They just lost a double overtime game to the New York Knicks, who were without Jalen Brunson. I know the Celtics are without Robert Williams and also Malcolm Brogdon. But seeing that you lost the last game, I was prepared for them to have a big game tonight. Uh, not just performance-wise as far as stats, but like a good quality win. Heck, even a blowout win against the Knicks just because it was at home in TD Garden. But that didn't happen at all. Like, I don't like what the Celtics do, and I've seen them do this a couple of times. I think the last time I watched when they had a close game, like a month ago, they did the same thing. Like, if it goes into overtime, they just try to shoot themselves back into the lead like and I mean like taking nothing but three-point shots and I don't understand that if your shots aren't falling down like in in the double overtime period in the second overtime period I think Jason Tatum drove it to the basket and I can't remember if it's and one or he just had to shoot two free throws like that's how you scored your points just drive it to the hole like I know everybody's tired but you're shooting threes and then the other team makes a bucket. Then you come down and shoot another three that you miss, or another player does it, and you don't get anywhere. So now, now it's a, it's a five to six point swing between your missed three point shot and them making another bucket, or you're having to foul them because it is a five minute period, and now you're within the last two minutes of that uh, overtime period. I don't like that. To me, that's not playoff basketball. That's not something that is going to be something that it's going to help you to win games when you're considering that teams are going to be outplaying you when it comes to overtime periods. And like, I know this was not a playoff game, but this is against a quality Knicks team that has been playing really good basketball. Julius Randle has been working his butt off. Then you had a couple surprise guests who showed up to the party. RJ had a nice game. Then you had Quickly, who had a a career game. He played like 52 minutes, by the way, like a lot of minutes. I don't think he went out of the game after the end, after the first half of the game. Like he played all of the uh, second half and the two overtimes and just was lighting it up for them uh, scoring-wise for the Knicks. And for me, I was just highly disappointed in the Celtics and how they just managed to not guard that guy in certain situations and how they just basically shot themselves out of the ending of the game. I just thought they could be just a little bit more aggressive there and they would have won the game. Like, I thought they had a lot of momentum going in their favor, even off some of the Knicks' missed shots with the rebounding. They just kind of 
brought the ball up kind of slow and then just missed their sets of getting offensive offense started early and it was just stagnant offense no ball movement and then just sidestep three pointers that were coming up short I did not like the execution there like Boston was terrible down the stretch and you would think motivation would be that hey we're no longer the one seed in the east let's get back to being the dominant team and make teams fear playing us in the playoffs or make us have home court advantage so we don't have to work so hard if we're trying to make it back to the finals like this loss now with Milwaukee winning against the Wizards, Boston is now a game and a half behind Milwaukee. It doesn't seem like much, but that's Milwaukee, a team who had a 16-game win streak, got it broken by the Sixers, and just played the Wizards. So now you're recreating momentum. You're recreating a, a shock to the body where, okay, we realized where we were at. We lost it. Now we're not trying to chase after... Uh, or extend that streak, we're back to, okay, reset. This is a a punch in the face. We lost games. We can lose. We're beatable. Let's not be a beatable team. So now they're going to get going again. Boston needs that. And I thought that last game would do that. And hopefully this game does that for them. I mean, Philly's four and a half games. Maybe they're comfortable being there. I would be comfortable being there because you're looking at a potential second round matchup against Philadelphia. I don't want to do that, even if you have home court advantage. Because winning that that series, which could potentially go to seven games, at least six, then you got to play Milwaukee. And if Milwaukee's having an easier time playing who's in fourth right now, potentially Cleveland or New York if they move up, and let's say they could take care of those teams in, in five games and have rest and have home court advantage, Boston does it stand a chance to me like it's going to be competitive but you're going to miss you're going to you're going to lose gas uh during that series if you are able to finish off that series even if something happens where chris middleton's not 100 percent and milwaukee's shorthanded you're talking about going back to the finals tired and that's what happened last year you don't you don't want to do that like the celtics need to be more honed in on winning games with as much effort as it takes now, like to me, there's times where I feel like now watching the games, I feel like I trust Jalen Brown more in the clutch than Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum's a clutch player. They they both are, but I just feel like I need a little bit more from them. I know they're not a hundred percent as far as the team. Jalen Brown's wearing the face mask, but there was just to me more quality shots that could have been taken, or just more basketball IQ that could have been executed that would have helped them to win a game. Going back to the standings, like I said, Cleveland's in fourth. They're seven games behind Milwaukee. New York's in fifth, eight games behind Milwaukee. So they're just a game back on Cleveland. So if the standings stay where they're at, then, yeah, that's the first-round matchup for New York is them versus Cleveland. But with them being a game back, they can easily swap places to where New York now has home court advantage. And that's great for, for the Knicks. I think this put them at, where, where are they, eight-game win streak? Or maybe they already had eight and this is nine. They're somewhere around that territory. So they have momentum, especially after Randall hit that big uh, three-point shot the other night against Miami. Like They're winning great quality road games. So you get them back home or you get Brunson back healthy. Like This is just character building and team building like this is the simple things that 
carry over into the playoffs. So they're completely opposite of Boston. I'm highly disappointed in Boston. Shout out to Boston fans for whatever reason. And then just to sum this up, behind New York, you have Brooklyn and uh, 10 games back behind Milwaukee. So they're just two games back behind New York for the sixth spot there. And then yada, yada, yada. I didn't even write down the other places. But uh, I did mention earlier that Indiana and Chicago are both 17 and a half games back from Milwaukee. And they're right now looking at trying to get into the play-in spots. They're both 11th and 12th, respectively. So uh, they're, they're trying to compete. I think that might only be like a half game or a game back from getting into the play-in spot. So they're right there. But again, the Bulls, I'm not worried about them. But um, just more focusing on the top three teams there. I mean, the, the, the team that's going to represent the East in the finals should definitely be between Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. Cleveland has a, a good team, but I think it's going to be a lack of playoff experience that holds them back there. Donovan's going to do everything he can to get that team boosted, but Philly definitely has a lot of motivation there because they have a great team. Boston should have more motivation just because they used to be the best team in the league uh, for most of the season, and they were in the finals last year, but Milwaukee... They were the last ones to win the championship out of any team in the Eastern Conference, and that was only two years ago. And if Middleton is getting healthy, you're going to have more motivation than anybody else to go back to the finals after tasting that blood. So I will look forward to a big battle and hopefully a big finish at the end. And I'm just going to keep a closer eye on Philly out of all those teams I just mentioned to see if they're actually going to be able to move closer or potentially take over the second spot if Boston keeps losing uh, and hopefully not do the opposite and lose ground to Cleveland and wind up becoming a fourth seed having to play potentially Milwaukee in the first round. Okay, I got to finish this up. So I did write down the standings for the Western Conference. The majority. I just left off the ones you know. They're just not going to make the playoffs. They're just going to try to get Wimbayamba. But Denver, they're still at the top. Still number one. Nothing new there. Memphis, six and a half games back now that they lost to the Clippers. Sacramento, they're only a game back from Memphis. They have a chance to move into the second spot if we're thinking that Memphis missing jaw is going to cost them an extra loss or two. It's hard to say. Like I said, Memphis does play well even without jaw, but Sacramento has been on a tear, and it's all for, um, for having two all stars, having a lot of depth, and a lot of shooting ability, and great health so far. Darren Fox has been day to day listed. Uh, can't remember what's going on there. Maybe something with the ankle. Not sure if he's going to miss the next game. But Sabonis has been surprisingly healthy all year long. Sometimes he does miss some time here and there. So if he can keep that up, that's actually going to be one of the major keys to where Sacramento could possibly finish as a second seed. And it's hard to believe that a year ago we'd be saying that Sacramento is a top four team in the West. So, yeah, man, if they make it top two, that is very impressive for them. And I don't know if it'll be good as far as who they want to play. Maybe they want to stay in third uh, to get a better matchup for the first round 
as it stands. If they stayed in third, they'd be playing Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota did beat them the other night. Did they beat them both times? I can't remember because it was like back-to-back games or something like that. And I think they were in Sacramento playing those games. Uh, so road, quality road wins there for Minnesota, who's still without Car Anthony Towns. But right behind Sacramento, two games back from them, you have Phoenix. And they have Kevin Durant now. So Phoenix is going to have a tough time actually staying where they're at, in my opinion, um, if Darren Fox isn't healthy. So you have a chance to go up, but then you also have a chance to drop down. But then you can also have where you actually stay in the middle and maybe Memphis drops all the way down to fourth and Phoenix climbs to number two. I don't know who has a tougher uh, schedule for the rest of the games, but there's still enough games to make switches in the standings, especially here in the West, that really matters. So we'll see how that ends up. So out of these teams I just mentioned, I would keep the the biggest eye or the most piercing eye on the Memphis Grizzlies just to see if they're going to still be able to pull off uh, good quality wins against teams without jaw and just be able to maintain staying in the top two or or top three. Phoenix, we know that even if they don't gain much ground, as long as Kevin Durant's playing and their team is developing more chemistry, they're going to be a dangerous team no matter where they're at when it comes to the end of the regular season. I don't want to play them in the first round. It's just scary. But being a top four team, you're going to have home court advantage in the first round. Um, you know, it could possibly be uh, a sweep five game series. We'll see who they play up against. Golden State is right behind Phoenix. They did take the L to the Lakers. So they're two games back behind Phoenix and only half a game above Minnesota. So Minnesota. They're just sneaking in there. They're just staying right in the middle of the pack. Nobody's talking about them. Carl Anthony's hurt. Anthony Edwards is an all-star. Rudy Gobert didn't make it. But they're just hovering. So they're winning games. They're losing games. But they do a little bit of both, and it's kind of confusing to keep up with. But they are getting some uh, quality production from Kyle Anderson. I know that. Uh, Nas Reed at times. McDaniels. So they're, they're a team that will be in the playoffs and be in the middle of the bunch and just give somebody a rough time in the first round, but they may not make it past that just depending on the health of Car Anthony, who is supposed to return sometime within the last few weeks of the regular season. So we might see him within the next two weeks if they give us an update on the status of his health and whether or not he's going to be started practicing here soon in contact drills. But that could still be a ways away. So then right after those top six teams I just mentioned, you get into the play-in tournament area, which is going to be Dallas as the upper seed sitting in seventh currently. Twelve and a half. So they're actually only half a game behind Minnesota. So with them taking the loss, they drop down. They couldn't easily move back up and be out of the play-in tournament, which is what I would expect them to do. Then you have the Clippers. They're actually right there with Dallas. One below Dallas, but they're also 12 and a half games behind Denver. So Dallas has some pressure, but knowing the Clippers, the pressure is more so on them than it is on Dallas, in my opinion. Um, if I'm either one of those teams, I don't want to be in the play-in setting. Uh, so Golden State, you might want to watch out. Definitely want to try to win those road games, as I mentioned before. 
And then behind the Clippers, you have the Pelicans. The Pelicans are just kind of struggling because they're missing their best player in Zion Williamson. Um, so it's it's just going to be a matter of how many more losses before he returns. And then when he does return, can he stay on the court? And when he gets on the court, how much endurance will he have as far as we know he's going to be managed, minute managed, but uh, that's going to be tough for making the playoffs because you're going to need your key players to play more minutes because players you're usually um, cycled through on shorter rotations with the way the coaches usually do like a seven to eight man lineup or active player usage in playoff games. So I, I think the Pelicans definitely have potential to slip out of the play-in tournament area. And Utah is half a game behind them, and they could be another team. I think marketing is actually slated to miss the next game. So can't remember who they're playing. That could be a loss right there. If LA keeps their foot on the gas and keeps doing what they need to do to take care of business, then yeah, they could definitely move up into the play-in tournament area. Uh, OKC is half a game behind the Lakers, also out of the play-in tournament. And so is Portland, which is right behind OKC. They're both half a game behind LA. So there's a little battle there. I feel like OKC, you know, going to start turning the, the tie to the other way where it's just going to be like, you're not really worried about playoff basketball this year. We'll see what happens with that. It's more so the health of the team going into next season. Uh, and when I say the health of the team, I mean the health of Shea Gilgis, Alexander, but with Portland, of course, Dame wants to make the playoffs. He wants to, you know, eventually win a championship, theoretically, for Portland. Anyway, um, so yeah, they're going to be eyeing to get in the playoffs as well. So I think I can see room for both Portland and L.A. to get in that area where the Pelicans and Utah could ultimately drop out of that race. So definitely some health issues with those last few teams there. Uh, except for Portland. I mean, I guess you can count Nurkic as a health issue. He doesn't have a super huge role, but being like really the only main like good go-to big guys on the team, then yeah, you could throw him in there. So looking at it again, Pelicans missing Zion, Utah, uh, Markkanen's just uh, like a, I want to say more of a day-to-day than a, a completely out, but we'll see if he misses multiple games. LeBron, we know he's going to miss weeks. Um, we kind of be lucky just to see where the Lakers end up if LeBron's going to play again this season. OKC, Shea's going to be one of those day-to-day players, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to split games um, as far as whatever's left. He might play 50% of it. Back-to-backs, he might not even play in back-to-backs anymore. We'll see what we do with him. And then Portland missing Nurkic. But as far as I know, oh, no, Simons. I, I, I was going to say everybody else is healthy, but... No, Simons is a key contributor on, on the offensive end, and they're missing him, especially as a secondary scorer option if it's not Jeremy Grant. So um, we'll see when he returns. He returned for one game, but then he went back out. So don't know if he's going to be like that for the rest of the season or they're just going to give him a few weeks more to recover, and then once he returns, he'll be good to go. So keep an eye on that. All these injuries are going to shake up the finish for the play-in tournament, but it's a race all the way from number two down to where I just mentioned, which is about 13. So, I mean, even Denver, they're not safe, but 
Denver, uh, they do get good quality wins, and they are a hard team to beat when you are a road team in Denver. So I'm not too worried about them. They're the only team I'm not worried about. Everybody else, it's going to be interesting if they remain in their same spots. Just keep an eye on it. Thank you, everybody, for kicking it in the second half. Kish YZ, I will see when I could return. I just had the opportunity to watch a few games, so I'm usually intrigued with a lot of information that I would like to spill out there. But most of the time, I don't get to watch a lot of the games until towards the end of the week or into the weekend. So maybe another week before I'm back. But everybody, I would like to say thank you for listening and hope you have a great rest of your week. Peace and love.